Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 132. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by Chris Raygun. Chris, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. We're on video now. We're on video. We have to pretend like we didn't just do 20 minutes of the show and then have to restart. <laughs> yeah. By the way. I fucked up. I totally messed up. I kicked no, the plug okay. out of our uh, recording thing. It's not a big deal. It's, uh, it's a little ominous because this is the first time we've ever done one on camera as yeah. well but uh i'm not going to read too much into it because you had said it's actually pretty remarkable that we've done so many episodes we've done 132 of these plus what like 75 episodes of sacred symbols plus and a few other ones as well and never lost anything yet so yeah. you know we lost 20 minutes 20 minutes of sacred symbols for really the first time just gone gone, just gone. evaporated you'll never hear that again or the fir- or for the first time. Never. We actually do have. We might actually have the footage, so maybe it's at some point. Some point it might maybe reemerge. But there's nothing maybe. very interesting in there. To be yeah. honest, it was fine. <laughs> it wasn't like our best material. It wasn't like the worst material either. But it is interesting to be on video, and uh, this is something people have been asking for for a long time. And and when I started the show, I really w- in my mind was like, it'll never. We're never going to do video. So <laughs> even though I was like, oh, maybe one day we'll do. We'll do video about it. It is. You know, it I is never a, really. I never thought I was going to follow through on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> video. Video is 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 a bitch. In fairness, like it's 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 way more to um to work with. Obviously, you have to look presentable. Which, if you're just recording, you could look as as slovenly and disgusting and and as malformed as you want. Yeah. You know, you could sure you could be fused to your chair with Dorito dust like piled on your concave chest. <laughs> you know. <laughs> But now we have to look uh, vaguely, vaguely uh, like uh, humanoids. It's tough because I, I was actually walking the dog uh, a little bit before and I was thinking, I'm like, I don't think I've even put jeans on in months. Like at this point, like I don't think I've even worn anything but sweatpants <laughs> or shorts in months, just months. And by the way, it's not like I'm actually wearing jeans right now. I'm not. I'm wearing sweatpants. I was just thinking that I don't ever get dressed. And so uh, I don't know. We actually got something. Re- we actually got a letter about this on Patreon. Might as well read it right now. Aaron Myers wrote into us and said, have you done anything differently because you're on camera? Got dressed, can't pick your nose, tidied up a bit. The very best of luck with the changes. And then he signs it for no reason. Yeah. Aaron from jolly old England now. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know that I've done much different. I mean, I'm wearing this thing that I wear all the time. This is my f- soccer dad, like, vestment, you know? And I got, like, a t-shirt. And uh, my beard is getting really long. So there's that, and uh, I'm just doing the best I can to look as good as I can for the people out there. But otherwise, no, I, I probably d- did too little. In fact, I downloaded the, the, I, the screen. I have these huge monitors in front of me, and the Google Doc is so bright in my face on video <laughs> that I had to download a plugin to make it yeah. less bright. And still the lighting is not. And by the way, I know I look like a, I'm in some sort of Eastern European black site, but I'm just waiting for the builders to come clean stuff up in my house you look like like snowden you know yeah. like just in in a random like nondescript like if anybody was like really paying attention to like the background of where you are like no one would be able to no one would be able to pinpoint like oh i know the i know where those doorknobs originate or like i like it's just an egg white wall with a door and that's it 
Right. You'll never know. You can, you'll never find me ever, but maybe one day we'll get some things on the wall and all of that, but I got to just wait for the being, trying to be very patient with the builders because of COVID, but they are many months behind, uh, fixing things. So there's nothing hung, hang, hanging on the walls in anywhere in my house. It's not just, uh, in this room. So it's a little bit frustrating, but thank you for your patience. We didn't want to wait for that. And the other big change of course, is that Collins last stand. My company is now known as last stand media. And we're still supported on Patreon, patreon.com slash laststandmedia, patreon.com slash Stand just brings you to the same place. And we're really excited about this new year and everything that we're, we have lined up for you. And Defining Duke is our new podcast. It's an Xbox podcast co-hosted by Mr. Matty Plays and ACG, uh, YouTubers with over a million subscribers combined. And we're super excited for that. And Chris, people have been asking if you're going to be on the show because you're an Xbox gamer and the answer is yes we'll have you on the show very very soon yeah in the coming weeks yeah of course yeah yes yes and of course when Halo comes out and all of that I mean I'm sure you're gonna be like a mainstay on that show at that point but yeah um, I'm probably gonna have to say something aren't I (laughs) you're gonna yeah you might have to say a thing or two and because some people were like well first of all people are like blown away that we got ACG and Mr. Matty plays to do a show for us which I'm super excited about as well they're great uh, but some people were like, oh, I'm surprised Chris didn't go host that show. And I'm like, well, I kind of selfishly held on to Chris for this show. So we'll share it. I've been saying to people, it's like a constellation and we have little stars now. We can pick them and put yeah. them in and, re- and recast everyone as we as we see fit. Yeah, you can. Uh, it's a little bit of a rotation. I definitely I definitely don't have the uh, fortitude to do like <laughs> three shows a week in addition to everything else that I have to do. So yeah, just for, just for the sake of my own sanity. Right. Uh, you know, well, that was the assumption is I would have had to have released you basically to do the show. And I don't want to do that to the show. Yeah, I don't want to do that either. No. So <sighs> defining Duke subscribe to it on iTunes. It's on Spotify. You can subscribe to it. Listen to it anywhere. Uh, it's in video already, just like this is now moving forward. And we're actually going to have like kind of clips and stuff like that from the shows on youtube as well and of course you can support us on patreon as i said patreon.com slash last stand media for early ad free access to this show both in audio and in video so we're just giving you more value see i didn't ask you for anything i didn't ask anyone for anything else all i did was gave you more that's it yeah you know i didn't say i didn't go you know people have been saying colin where's the xbox podcast colin where's the video and i didn't say to you well I need a little something from you first. What I said was, no, no, no. You've been so good to me. So let me be good to you. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it makes sense to me. Frankly, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. That's not that you complicated of a, of a premise. No. I just feel like, you know, we're going to keep... I was going to say cranking out value, value but I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I want to necessarily crank out value. Uh, at least on camera. Quality, you know? maybe. You know, I'm going to be cranking that? out something. Cranking something out. Cranking something out. And by the way, uh, I forgot on the Lost podcast that we, we did note that we use Riverside to record this and uh, at least the video. And uh, so Chris is on the bottom of the screen. The camera's up there. And instead of doing the awkward stare, like MSNBC correspondence stare, uh, we're just going to look at each other. Yeah. And I'm also going to be looking at the screen because I, I have to drive the show. Can you guys just all, I've, I'm already preemptively anticipating the criticisms because I haven't been on camera in like four years do people don't actually want you to look directly at the camera though like i don't know i've been doing youtube for a long time and i I notice that every time i look at the camera it just feels wrong i always look at like the screen next to it or like uh even just completely away from it you know and it that seems to be 
more comfortable for me, more comfortable for them because they don't feel like I'm staring deep into their souls. Right. Which nobody wants. Nobody wants. No. Nobody wants that intrusion. You know, <laughs> we're, we're not the NSA here. That is quite you the know. intrusion, you know, to go into one's soul, breach, to breach uh, one's soul, the <laughs> outer moat of one's being. It's no good. Uh, all right. Let's see here. I'm looking at my my notes here. We've talked about this. Oh, Sacred Symbols Plus. Uh, it's our weekly supplemental podcast. We did 2021 predictions, which was really fun. We brought Dustin in for that. And so we, we touched on a lot of different things, which was really cool and got your guys and gals predictions in there as well. Next week's is all going to be about PlayStation TV shows and movies like hypotheticals. So we know we have HBO, The Last of Us and the Uncharted movie and, and this rumor of a Twisted Metal show. What would we want to see? What would you want to see? Uh, we're really excited to to talk about that and get that out there. And um, yeah, Sacred Symbols Plus is doing great. So thank you all out there for the support and love and kindness of the show. And I should note, too, that over the holidays, in case you missed it, we did get the Final Fantasy VII Remake spoiler cast and review discussion out. We did. So go check it out and never, ever talk to me about it again. By the way, I'll look at the camera for that. Don't talk to me about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. All right. By the way, the final I didn't realize how nerdy Final Fantasy VII Remake was in terms of the, the fan theories and all of that. It's. It's quite Kingdom Hearts-ish. Oh. Um, I almost like the game less after reading the feedback we got. <laughs> Just anything associating it with uh, Kingdom Hearts makes it worse. Right, exactly. But I mean, it's Final Fantasy. That's already half associated with Kingdom Hearts in a way. That's true. But I guess it's more like the Nomura story collapsing in on itself, right. like, a, like a dying star kind of thing. Right. Uh, let's see. Oh, Habroxia 2. Just want to make a note. The game that I wrote and co-produced, Habroxia 2, coming to PS4 and Vita, as well as Xbox One, Switch, and PC, February 3rd. So right around the corner, review codes are already out in the wild. You got that game. So you got that game done already. That's pretty wild. You're gonna have an article about a uh, crunch time at uh, <laughs> at Lily Mo Games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe we got the game done so quickly. But I, I really, it's it is we because I own 49 percent of the studio. But I basically just write the games and like kind of do the creative. And Barry builds the game. So you know, I'm really hanging on to that man's coattails in a lot of ways. I'm very I'm very blessed to be on board with him. He's great. Now, we just got off the holidays, uh, Chris and I did, and of course, the rest of the world did as well. Timothy Bryant wrote into us and said, Happy New Year's, boys. Congrats on the success thus far, and I'm very excited to seeing your gorgeous fucking faces in the video portion of the show. Look how big my beard is. It's bushy. It looks very pubic. Yeah, it's a very Civil War uh, aesthetic kind of yeah. going on. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. Well, I'm in Central Virginia now, so you know, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm amongst these the, the ghosts of the Civil War generals. You know, uh, the Burnsides and uh, the Grants, uh, et cetera, and so on. Of course, I'm bringing up Northern generals because I really hate the Confederate general. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. Blah, blah, blah. My simple question, boys, is this. What was your favorite part of your holiday break? Was it a gift? Having to relax, playing games. My favorite part was I got a girlfriend New Year's Day that I believe will be here for a long uh, for the long run. 2021 is starting off very strong and I'm excited to see what the future holds. What was your favorite part of whatever break you were able to take down there in California, over there in California. Oh man, I just uh, I just sort of hung out with the same group of people that I've been hanging out with since this pandemic started. It's just like uh, like a handful of like three other people who also work from home, who just don't know anybody else but us. And we just sort of hang out. I hung out with them for like Christmas and New Year's and we just watched a bunch of movies. I We watched like Gremlins 1 and 2 for New Year's, but something that I forgot, We have you ever seen The Santa Claus 3? No. With uh, Martin Short. No. As no. Jack Frost. No. It is, and I, I don't say this lightly, 
it 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 is the worst experience that I've ever lived through. <laughs> I couldn't believe how bad that movie was, even d- despite how much I hated those those other ones. The the premise of Tim Allen killing Santa Claus and just becoming him, and it's just like treated as this like wholesome thing already, is kind of bothersome. But wow. What a terrible holiday movie. I'm not even sure I knew there was a sequel, nonetheless, a third one. So Yeah, it's off-putting. It's unsettling in every way. Yeah, I like Tim Allen as well. So, you know, Tim Allen scores extra points in my book just being involved in things. It's like Adam Sandler. Like, it's got to be pretty bad for me to really accept that <laughs> oh, Adam wow. Sandler's bad. It's the opposite. You know? And for, it's, it's been pretty bad. It's been pretty bad. It's the opposite for me with Tim Allen. I like things less. Yeah, because I, I think of that stand up where he where like where he's just like um, I was op- I was opening up the 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 engine of my lawnmower. I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you barking at the audience? That was his thing, you know, on home improvement and all that. That was, his, know. you know, Tim, the tool man, Taylor. I don't get it. Oh, well, I don't think a lot of people do. And that show that he does now, the that was on Fox and I think I picked up or was on ABC and is on Fox now. Pretty good as well. Does he bark in it? He owns like an out outdoor shop, like a like a hunting shop or something. Of course. Yeah. Last man standing, I think it's called. Yeah. Well, Timothy got a, a girlfriend, which is fun, and mm-hmm. uh, that's nice. I wasn't really relaxing because I had to get everything kind of set up. In fact, I was I was remarking to Micah that I'm kind of stressed out, like crazy stressed this week because I was really looking forward to the holiday season to get some time off, and I don't know what I was thinking because I also knew that I was gonna begin this new phase of of last dance. So, you know, I, I feel like now it's just so far away until I can get a moment again like that. And I kind of like, let it, let it slip through my fingers. And so now this, and, and by the way, I fucked up my back somehow. I'm, I don't know what's going on. You're all messed yeah. up. Yeah. So I got to kind of get myself organized here a little bit, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and then, uh, go from there. So uh, thank you for writing in Timothy and happy holidays to everyone. Welcome to 2021. It's, uh, Worse than 2020 so far. <laughs> a few things I wanted to point out to people before we get going. Kotaku has uh, a story up that I found when I was researching the show that I wanted to, to kind of just bring to people's attention. The PS4 Spectacular Dreams is hurting from a lack of players. It's basically just a pretty long form story about dreams and why it seems to be failing and um, pretty reiterative of the things we've talked about a lot on the show or speculated on and it was obviously obvious that that was going to happen but uh, the disappointing part of the story is that neither sony nor media molecule talked to kotaku for it they refused to do so uh, but it is a conversation with a lot of creators on there and basically it, it it seems like it's just a group of a small group of creators and almost no one that plays anything so it's not good um, yeah. and, and, and i gotta say so we talked about the 2021 predictions sacred symbols plus episode i wanted it to be somewhat positive or at least neutral but one of my predictions was going to be that this is the year that media there might be layoffs in a media molecule. I hope that that doesn't happen. That'll be awful. But it seems like Dreams is so underpopulated that almost no one cares about it. It's still just on PlayStation 2, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like they didn't even port it to PC, which would have been like the smart thing to do pretty quickly. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. We, we, we uh, unfortunately kind of called a lot of this. Yeah, I'm su- I'm surprised more people didn't. I think David Jaffe gave us a shout out. I think a couple months ago for saying like he from all the media he listens to that no one was really talking about dreams being 
being set up to be an obvious failure because people were so eating the or you know drinking the kool-aid rather you can eat the kool-aid i guess if you want um (laughs) but they were drinking the kool-aid about how great it was but without an audience it doesn't matter how great it is and it was i just i'm still of the mind that most people don't want to make games on the console they want to uh play them so yeah you know what's wild and what what kind of is 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 an amazing missed opportunity to me is Dreams should have been the PS Plus game for PS5. You know? Like, I feel like that should have been there. Instead of, like, Bug Snacks, or maybe, like, in addition to Bug Snacks, but, like, anything to push that into the hands of more people for less, for, like, no money, for, like, very little money, or, like, for ostensibly free from the player's perspective. It could have done something. I, I still maintain that that game should have been on PS, uh, on, uh, not P- PS3. <laughs> PC. Uh, from the get-go, but yeah, I, I I think so too. I think one of the comments under the story of Kotaku too was saying that it's just this should be really this would even be a nice little game for them to bring to everything, just to see if they could and if it would matter. I think that that's a risk because I think it would still fail. I think it I think it still opens up possibilities and opportunities for the game to succeed, but I still don't think anyone's really going to care about it, even mm-hmm. if it was on Switch. You know, like I don't. They're gonna, if you're on Switch, for instance, you're going to play like Mario Maker or something. You're not going to play no, yeah. Dreams or you're going to play one of the many great games. And it's the same thing with Xbox and all that. So I don't know. It, it's sad that that happened. But uh, yeah, predictable nonetheless. And um, so we hope it rebounds. But I just hope Media Molecule gets an opportunity. And I think they will to make a game again. And uh, I think this was a, a 10 year long mistake. Let's see. Oh, by the way, the uh, Little Big Planet 2 came out in January of 2011, as I recall. So it's been 10 years since they released a AAA game. Wow. They they released Tearaway on Vita and later brought it to PS4, but that was a small team right. that did that. So it's a long time to um to not release a game, basically. And I can't imagine how much money Dreams lost, but we'll never know. All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to bring up here, a couple other things. Persona's soundtracks are now on Spotify. It's Persona 2, 3, 4, and 5, the Persona Dancing All Night games and everything else. Uh, this is a huge deal because Persona games are renowned for their music. And uh, as a player only of Persona 4 Golden and none of the others, and only for 25 hours, I have signs of life stuck in my head on repeat still to this day. Excellent music. Just wanted to call people's attention to that. And there's also a story going around. We've talked about Net Yorosi on this podcast in the past. Net Yorosi was the uh, the PS1, basically a machine that developers could buy for about $800 and make their own games on it. And a couple of them made to market. I think Devil Dice was one of the games that made it to market. That was made on Net Yorosi. But there was a game in 1998 made in Japan called Magic Castle that has basically just been isolated, never came out, and uh, it just made it out for PS1 emulators. So if you play on PS1 emulators, I actually don't, but if you do play on PS1 emulators, this Magic Castle game kind of reminds me a little bit of Azure Dreams or another one of these uh, these early roguelites, and it's worth looking up if you want to check it out. It's cool. Did you see any of the stories about about that making the rounds? No. Th- this, this old Net Yorosi game? I, I thought it was pretty neat because Net Yorosi was this iconic an interesting thing for PlayStation audiences in the 90s and no one had one, you know, so. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Maybe I have. Maybe we were had they, one in Were they blue? Or yeah, they, they were like wrong. navy blue PS1s. Yeah, because yeah. I remember seeing, I remember seeing them somewhere. Might have been like on the early internet uh, that I saw them. I was like, oh, that's cool as hell. Blue PS1? I want that yeah. thing. I didn't even care that it was, I didn't even care that it was like what it was, you know, like that it was like this kind of like makeshift dev kit. I was just more like, oh man, that's such a good color for the PS1. It's 
pretty damn good looking. Someone had said in one of the stories I, I read about it that that was kind of like a really early indie movement that actually yeah. deserves kind of a story to be told about it. Very similar to Xbox Live putting out the Xbox Live disc, you know, the arcade disc. Like it's a, that's like a really important moment and uh, in indie development. So nonetheless, uh, Gino Viteri wrote into us. We had a few questions about this over the weeks. I wanted to kind of squeeze this one in here. Mm. So sub cuties, Chris, you've mentioned several times about how people should copy games that are great, like Shadow of the Colossus. Have you heard of Prey of the uh, Prey for the Gods? And it's P-R-A-E-Y. Yes, that's spelled right. I think you'd like it. Look it up, bitch. That's what he says. Look it up, bitch. This is from No Matter Studios. It's coming to PS4 and PS5 soon, apparently. Have you looked this uh, game up? So we've we this is we've brought this up before, long long time ago when I made a, the exact same statement where I was like, I want more people to copy this game, and back then people were telling me, oh, Pray of the Gods. And I had known about it for years at that point. Pray of the Gods I've known about for a really, really long time, specifically because, yeah, my eyes are going to be on anything that's going to be like trying to emulate um, Shadow of the Colossus. But it is 2021 now, and uh, I still can't play it. So I don't know what uh, what the hell's going on, really, with that. It, it is a Kickstarter game, or at least it started as a Kickstarter game. I don't know if it's, yeah. it's since been picked up or, or whatever. But no, I, I I want that game to to come out, and I want that game to be good. But the reality is, it's been so long that like I I don't even know if my faith, I don't even know if I have all that much faith in it at this point. I haven't heard anything new about it in a while. Um, it's taken so long, and it looked pretty close to done when I saw it years ago too. Like it didn't even it didn't even look like it was like one of those you know you see like games on on Kickstarter all the time or on these crowdfunding platforms where it's like here's like the early stages. It's very clearly pre alpha or whatever the hell. No, back then it looked like it was in beta, you know, like it was mostly done. And it's been probably like three, four years since I've heard about it. Yeah, I'm looking at some of the information now. The Kickstarter happened in mid-2016. And then I did forget about this, that it was called Prey Prey of the Gods, P-R-E-Y. And then ZeniMax actually contested that based on their trademark for prey and that is ridiculous had, and then they had to change it to p-r-a-e-y for the gods and then um so i guess it's on steam early access but yeah in october or i guess november they said that it'll come out q1 so anytime right. now maybe well that's that's good i'm not, i'm i'm over the whole early access thing i don't think i'm gonna do that anymore but yeah, I've never been. I've never done it. Right? I don't know that I've played almost anything in early access. I've done it a couple times. There were things that I thought were interesting, but you know, I'm gonna wait for this thing to be done. And uh, you know, if it's if it's really that close, then hell yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely on board, and I'll check it out, and I'll be the first person to talk about it here. Dane Farley wrote in with this one. We can talk about this before we get into what we're what we've been playing. He says, "Hey guys, would you play the game where you flip a coin, and heads you get fifty million dollars, tails you die?" Love the content, guys, and I look forward to a good, a good conversation about this. I like how he says, w- would you play the game? Like, as, this, <laughs> as if this is a game people play. Would you yeah. play the game? Yeah, this is an established uh, property. <laughs> flip, flip a coin, heads, $50 million, tails, die. Would you do it? Uh, I don't know if I trust uh, fate that much. I, I'm mm. relatively unlucky. I don't, I don't know if I would believe that... I, I know I would die. Like, I would just die. Like, even if it somehow landed the right way, I feel like the universe would just glitch out and just think I got it wrong. 
<laughs> also, fifty million dollars. I don't know. Like, I think um, that's a lot. That's a ton of money. But it's also like, I don't know. If I don't die, I could potentially get there. You know, if I yeah. die though, I'm not really gonna have much of a chance at fifty million dollars. I would pass that. Is it like so? Is this a game or is this like a coin that's imbued with this ability that like you pass it and it just becomes the game for that person because I'd probably, I don't know I don't know I don't know that's a good question because if, if that was the case I'd probably find acquaintances of mine and be like hey you want you know, play this game and then you know some of them will lose some of them will win but like at least I'll know people with 50 million dollars right. you know so you'll manipulate the situation I mean that seems like I mean he didn't speculate that or specify rather that that's not against so. the rules no that's as not as I'm far concerned. as we know not as far as we know <laughs> uh, I don't think I would do it it's too risky yeah too risky like, cause you have, you know, we, we we're very sardonic and dark on the show. I know, but you don't have anything without life, right? Yeah. It all starts with life. I don't, as much as I say, I want to kill myself. I'm saying it in jest, you know, when yeah. I say like, oh, I, I would rather eat a, just as an example, I'd rather eat a gun barrel than ever play game X again. Well, I don't really mean it. Yeah. Well, maybe I would one day. I don't know. <laughs> it's horrible. It's a horrible. Yeah. Game. No, I, I mean like I, 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 I want to die. But I don't want to die, you know? Right. I get Yeah. I, I understand exactly <laughs> what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk about let's talk about what we're uh, what we've been playing, and we haven't talked about this in a while because we haven't been together here. Yeah, Rob Kavazna wrote in a, about this on Patreon. It says, "Dear Daddy Time, Colin, and small fragile baby New Year, Chris. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed your break. Did you spend any time delving into your backlogs? Do you?" Do you foolish for not this is what I didn't I usually correct everyone's broken ass English, but I guess I didn't do it here because it says, do you foolish? Do you feel foolish? It's it's like it's like Charlie from uh, like trying to read Charlie's writing from Always Sunny. (laughs) Do you foolish for not getting to any particular game sooner? Uh, Do you feel I I imagine what you mean? Happy New Year. Excited for all the new last stand media content. So I I did delve into the backlog a little bit, but uh, I want to start with you, Chris, because it seems like you focused all your energies on one game in particular. I did, yeah. I, I I'm still playing Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I I don't have that much to say about it. I still really like it, but honestly, like uh, much in, in much like you, I just I found myself like really busy, and I felt like I couldn't really give myself the appropriate mental time to get into a new game while I still had cyberpunk like in the back of my mind like and and I'm at this point in cyberpunk where it's like point of no return you know like you cannot once you pass this it's it's fucking done and so I'm thinking like okay I really like this game I want to keep it going as much as possible so I've just been doing all the side activities I've been trying to get every single thing on the map done but I also don't really want the experience to end so I've just sort of been like playing it a little bit one day and then like putting it away, being like, I can't finish it anymore. And then coming back to it like five days later and like playing a little bit more, getting like two missions done. And I'm like, all right, I'm done because I'm trying to like really stretch 
this the value of this thing out. I don't have that much left to say about it. It's it's I, I enjoy it. Uh, you can't get it on the PlayStation Store now, so no, <laughs> no, missed out. You can still I guess. buy it physically, I think, though. You know, so yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm sure you can yeah. buy it physically, but um, it's it's Do you really want it. It is still a game that I can't recommend because it is not uh, the most stable experience. But uh, it is it is a game that I recommend everybody keep their eye on when this um next gen patch goes live when like the actual next gen version is is properly released and and uh when all the stuff gets ironed out because it is it is something really cool i really like it even in its kind of gimped state so i can only imagine that i'll like it even more when it's like actually finished yeah but for but because it's not finished i can't i can't sit here and be like go buy it you know you can't, can't give it a rousing endorsement no i can give it a no. rousing this is good this will be amazing in a couple months time but that's as that's much good. As so you don't often hear arousing that. Yeah. So it's good. So I'm excited about it. I mean, the game looks really cool, but yeah. I've just really I'm resolved at this point to just wait for the PS5 version. Like I've come this far. There's other games to play. I don't need to play it. And I imagine it's going to be in great shape on PS5 because they have something to really prove yeah. at least to fix, you know, to make that the greatest version it can be. Um, and maybe we'll get some DLC or something in there as well. I don't know. That would be nice. Yeah, I think. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's the smartest uh, call. I, I am, though, uh, looking forward to the next thing that I'm going to be diving into once I'm done with Cyberpunk. And I think, you know, what, I'll probably I'll probably bust through the rest of it. I'll be like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll be a man and end this experience. It's done. I had my time with it. But I'm excited to uh, jump into uh, Immortals uh, oh. because a lot of people have been recommending it to yeah. me. And I really have been wanting to play it. I just like I, I didn't think I could juggle that and Cyberpunk at the same time. I felt like I would have been too much like, oh, I want to play the other thing while I'm playing this thing. And, I'm pl- you know, sure. I can't do it. It's funny you bring this up because uh, I actually wrote in my notes here that so I, I started up Immortals finally a few days ago and I was so turned off by the opening cinematic that I just stopped playing it. I don't know what really? I was expecting. <laughs> it's like very I'm so, I know it's supposed to be very good and I, I will go back to it, but it was like so goofy and dumb. I just I guess I didn't know that that's what it was. I, I'm, I'm kind of blaming it for what it is, but it was just like, I don't know. Uh, I was sitting with Micah and I'm like, I'm not playing this, you know, like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm very aware that it's, it's very, it's a very silly, it's a very ridiculous game. Yeah. I just didn't know. I don't know what I was thinking, but, but it looks fun to play. I mean, I, the gameplay I saw looks fun. So I, one day I'll come to that. Cause I actually did the same thing with cross code, which is a role playing game where I was like, I'm not in the mood for this either. So listen, man, ad- admittedly immortals Phoenix rising doesn't sound like a comedy game. No, it sounds like you know? a dead-ass serious game, to be perfectly honest. Gods and Monsters kind of sounded, I thought, it was supposed to be... Yeah. I don't know what I saw. I had in my mind. I was like, oh, this kind of sounds like some sort of old Greek type... And that's what it is, but it's just... It's like, you know, it's silly. It's like a jokey... Yeah. It's, a, it's like a very silly kind of jokey, like kind of tongue-in-cheek uh, thing, and it just doesn't have the name. It, it would be like, oh, it would be like seeing the name Schindler's List and thinking that it was like, oh, this must be like a romantic comedy about a list of exes right. or something. You know, like it's just like, and then you put it on. It's like, oh, oh, oh it's that kind of list. Oh, it's uh, the Holocaust. <laughs> you so know, that's a different, different kind of list tones. entirely, isn't it? Yeah, it's a. <laughs> so Schindler's List is is an entirely different kind of list from almost any other kind of list, like a grocery list. Yeah, but- for instance. Yeah, it's very different. You know, and I, I did mention, yeah, I, I kind of ran into a dead end with that the game Cross Code, which is a really cool looking SNES style Japanese role playing game, but it's 
pretty puzzle oriented. You can tell from the beginning. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need a game to make me feel stupid right now. So that's what I was not looking for either. And then so here's what I played over the break. Uh, I was talking about it the last time we recorded live, but Shakedown Hawaii, uh, I platinumed. Awesome game. Love it. Mm -hmm. Really highly recommended. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake, as I said, we got the spoiler cast and review discussion out. Beat it. Awesome. Loved it. Bioshock Infinite. I got to get ready for knockback. We're doing a knockback on that in the coming weeks, me and my brother. So I had never played or I never gotten through the all the way through the PS3 version nor platinum the PS3 version. So I broke out the PS3 platinum Bioshock Infinite. And then how's that? How wait, how, how is that? I have to ask. The low times are excruciating, but the game holds up really well. I mean, it, it it's it's I'll talk about it more on that episode. But Bioshock Infinite is so much better than I really and I realized this a few years ago when I finally beat it. But it's so much better than I I don't know what I was thinking. Like there are a few things where I'm like, what were you thinking with Bioshock Infinite? Why did you not like it? I don't understand. Like, what didn't you like about it? It was just, it, yeah. It, it's almost, I don't even remember anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like I, I loved it immediately, and uh, I remember getting a lot of flack for it at the time. I remember being like, "Why do you like this? This isn't Bioshock." And it's like, "Yeah, I guess, I guess it isn't, but it's good." Yeah, I, I, I you know, I like it, it's like one of those things where it's like I, I always felt like when you have like something that's like a long-standing series, it's like okay, yeah. When when you get to like I don't know, Grand Theft Auto. 11 or whatever the hell and it's a first person shooter and it's like linear and shit and it's like completely like different than like what the old gta's are i i I understand like a frustration and being like okay well this isn't really what i go to for to gta for but with bioshock being like i don't even really consider bioshock a series like at least not like when infinite came out because i didn't really pay attention to two because i was like oh ken's not involved whatever so there's really only one bioshock game in my mind so like there being another one that's completely different means that they're not really breaking any tradition here is kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I remember thinking it was too much of a shooter. That's what I remember thinking. I'm like, this is too action oriented. Oh, I, that's what I loved. I love that. I've come to love that as well. I love Bioshock, too. I, I, I also, by the way, I, I should say that, like, I think Bioshock one is, is better. I think Bioshock one is like phenomenal. I think it's like one of the best games, like probably of, of all time. But. Infinite's pretty damn good, and uh, I, I I don't know. It sucks that people don't recognize that. I think people think it's like pretentious, and maybe it is, but I really love it. I don't care. Well, we were talking about the the coin flip before. You can get one like the Lutes coins that they flip, and sometimes yeah, you know, depends on. No matter what you select, it's always the the wrong one in the game. Yeah, I I totally agree. It's it's different, but I didn't appreciate it at the time, and I appreciate it a lot more. So we'll talk about that more. But it's the second time I platinumed it because I already did it on PS4 as well. And then uh, Danganronpa, I started just playing Danganronpa again on Vita, the first one, Trigger Happy Havoc. I want to get the platinum in it. And um, it's funny because uh, Alex Landry wrote into us and he said, Colin, when are you going to play and give us your thoughts on Danganronpa V3? It's overdue. Do it for Dustin, Maddie and the people. I agree. It is long overdue. I've not played the third Danganronpa, mostly because I've just kind of wanted to replay the first two again. I don't even think I beat the second one all the way through. And then I also wanted to play the uh, Ultra Despair Girls, like the weird third person shooter that they made, which I played a little bit of as well. So I'm just starting from the beginning and I'm, it's all Alex said it's all culminating right with that Danganronpa V3 playthrough. So be patient. Please be excited for that. And then uh, I started. So when I when I Immortals, I was, I was like, I'm ready to get into that. Wasn't into that. Wasn't in the cross code. So then um, I finally it was actually half off or it is half off when we're recording. This still is a uh, 13 Sentinels Aegis Ram, which is the new Vanillaware game. And uh, it's really good. I'm, I'm very, I'm very early in it. 
it's a it's a visual novel and uh kind of it's like a visual novel meets like a real-time strategy game oh it's about kaiju attacking like the city and kids in mechs fighting them back that's what it's okay. about it's super cool that's kind of cool and, but they like they have like a high school life too so you like go around it's it's pretty interesting now we i forgot it's also it was also brought up in the lost episode earlier that we recorded uh that you have you're having an eye problem because i noticed you squinting yeah yeah a lot. sorry you look like a buccaneer I, I keep forgetting like i I, f- I forgot that i didn't that this was in the the recording that we lost i have this thing sometimes i haven't had it in a long time but it happened today of course when we do video for the first time because it, it always it always happens on like key days i remember the last time the first time it happened was the day of e3 so i had to watch e3 like half crying <laughs> uh but sometimes I'll just like go to sleep and I won't realize it, but like my, one of my eyes will be like open a little bit, like all night and it'll dry out. So I'll wake up just like with like searing, like insane pain in my eye and it just won't go away for hours on end. So if I'm like squinting a lot or like if I look like I'm in pain, it's cause I am a little bit, but yeah, well, I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. It's whatever. I got to, my eyes are fucked beyond recognition. The show anymore. must go on. Yeah. Exactly. You should wear blue blockers or something if you need to or blue blockers. Yeah, what is aren't that? they the ones? Aren't they the the? Yeah, the aren't they the ones that the old people used to wear? The ones that go around like that? Oh, maybe I think I just need eye drops, but I don't have any because I just I haven't had this problem in so long that I misplaced them. You know what I'm talking about? Like the old person eyeglasses that go that that go all and like block the whole like almost like Jordy LaForge. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's enough of that. I don't know what that was, but let's uh, let's get into the news and uh, talk about the things that we need to catch up on here. There's not too much, but a few important things happen over the holidays. And this is why I didn't want to do game of the year yet, because I wanted to at least touch on these things. So we don't have to do it uh, at a later date. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, let's begin with number one. It's not exactly clear how well PlayStation 5 is doing, but a recent report indicates that it's performing very well indeed. Not a huge surprise considering they're nearly impossible to find at market. Website Digitimes call, uh, cites so-called industry sources noting that PS5 pushed 3.4 million units in its first four weeks of availability. Website Push Square notes that PS4 sold 4.2 million units in six weeks. So even when taking into account possibly falling momentum, PS5 is almost certainly outpacing PlayStation 4 so far. What's even crazier, though, is Sony's reported bullishness in its 2021 fiscal year, where it expects to reach 16.8 million PS5 sold at minimum, according to the source. Of course, while Digitimes is a reliable source, these are also rumors. But with Sony steadfastly refusing to announce numbers of its own, we're left to speculate. PS5 sales should only increase with word that the console will launch on February 2nd in India, the world's second most populated country. And news out of Japan, as relayed by Kotaku, indicates other recent rumors we've discussed on the show were true. In Japan, anyway, Sony has indeed cut all PS4 production outside of the standard PS4 Slim model. This may be good news for PS5, though, especially in Japan, where it's been widely reported that PS5 sales are softer than ever when compared to historical PlayStation consoles unit pushed in Sony's home country. So there's a few things to get into here, Chris. Yeah. Let's split it up here. Liam Wilson wrote into us and said the PS5 launch in Japan has been the worst in terms of sales in PlayStation's history. Do you think this is because Sony is neglecting their home turf in favor of for the more profitable Western markets? Is this a smart move? Because I can't help but feel neglecting Japan will only drive Japanese studios to abandon PlayStation in the long run. I feel like I've been seeing these stories about about PS5's performance in Japan, which is not good. Comparably, there's actually a really interesting bar graph that shows like how precipitous the fall is. Uh, I think even compared to like definitely PSP and even Vita. And um, I don't know that it really matters to them. There's 100 million people in Japan or so. And um, the worse their PlayStation sales have gotten, the better PlayStation has done. So 
It's not to say they don't want Japanese support. It's just to say that it's really not essential to their, and I mean consumer report, it's really not essential to their bottom line. And um, where they, developers can go to Switch and they are, but where else are they going to go? PC, I guess they can go to as well, but I don't know. I'm not too worried about these Japanese sales. What do you think about this whole tapestry that I've painted here about PS5 sales? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's interesting. I don't know if it's... See, the thing, it's always weird talking about like different uh, different countries and their economies because, quite honestly, I don't know what the hell's going on in Japan that might also factor into this. Uh, there could be contexts that we're not aware of. Like, I, I have no idea even how how they're handling the pandemic, you know? Like, I don't even really understand what it is they're doing or like how drastically it's affected their local economies, like how, how, how their culture deem like how important a console would be deemed in that culture in a situation like this. I feel like a lot of that could also play into, into this as well. Although that is just kind of like a, a wild guess. I, I do think that there is a potential feeling of maybe neglectfulness on, on their part. I'm sure like the, the I mean the fact that the PS4 launched over here, before it launched in Japan is pretty that's a pretty wild thing in and of itself and that was seven years ago you know maybe maybe that has something to do with it I think I think honestly though I, I think I think you're right I, I think it's not really that important because I think they know that they're eventually going to sell a ton of PS5s in Japan anyway because their only real competition is Switch and they're not really offering the same thing I, I really do think it's more of um this is an expensive machine in a time of crisis, and maybe the Japanese are a little bit more disciplined <laughs> than uh, than we might be. Yeah, I also think that the culture is moving away from consoles. I just think that there's a mm-hmm. space yeah. issue there, and a That's third of true. the population lives in Tokyo. It's it's impossible to you know. I'm not even kidding around, but like the PS5 is huge. It's like it's it would be, if you I watch some of these really interesting shows on YouTube. Um, about people's homes in Japan and how they live. And it's like every fucking square foot in these places count, man. Sometimes if people are living in only 80 square feet and your PlayStation four is one square foot, you know, it's, it's it, so that might have something to do with the two people. And then you have to have the TV to accommodate it. And so I think that has something to do with it as well there. And I think switch is just a really powerful force over there as well, because they play mobile games. It's the same reason why PSP, did so well in the Game Boy and DS lines and in the GBA line. And then still why Vita is still getting new games. I mean, even that sells there. So I don't know. I, I think this is a, a situation where Sony's being strangely quiet. I don't quite know why they're not talking about how much they've sold. I think it's weird at this point. And um, I, I feel like we all kind of know that it's selling very well. And so you kind of have to look for a problem. And this is the pro this is the problem in quotes is. Yeah. Well, it's not selling well in Japan. And it's like, well, who really cares? Yeah. And it's worth noting that. And you made up a great point. I made a great point that PS4 came to Japan late, but they actually flipped the script and made Japan get it day and date with the US uh, and some other places um, like Canada uh, the same day that we got PS5. So, yeah, they tried to show them love. The other thing that I wanted to talk about from this news, uh, Calvin Kirstein wrote into us about. He says, hey, fellas. And happy new year. First of all, congratulations on the expansion of Last Stand. Thank you, Calvin. You guys truly listen to your fans, and that's really appreciated. Last Stand is easily the best bang for one's buck. It's a no-brainer to keep giving you money, money each month because you guys so work so diligently on all this great content. He did say that. I didn't just write that and make that up. <laughs> uh, so Sony's strategy is to simply have one PS4 SKU available in Japan, and rightly or wrongly, they've they've gone with the slim. 
If you guys were making the decisions at Sony, imagine the possibilities and had to choose one PS4 SKU to keep on sale, which one would you opt for? Perhaps Sony is looking to attract buyers with the cheapest possible option. Curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Thanks for all your hard work and stay safe. So we reported on the news a few weeks ago that the PS4 Pro website in the US says that it's sold out and that they don't intend on restocking it. And then we got this news that the PS4 Pro is essentially canceled in Japan. So I imagine this is going to eventually touch everywhere. How do you feel about the perceived abandonment of PS4 Pro in lieu of the PS4 Slim model, which is basically the 2013 version of PS4 truncated? I think it makes sense. I think, uh, honestly, like I, I think um, the, the PS4 Slim is, you know, it's not a powerful machine. It's not going to run like the latest games. It's not going to it's not going to be like a, a performance beast. You know, it, it, it's built to, you know, play the games that are on PlayStation 4 already. And it's the it's the cheapest one to to buy. And it's potentially like I would imagine the cheapest PlayStation 4 to make at this point. Uh, in its life cycle. I'm sure the parts are way cheaper. I'm sure it just makes more financial sense to take all of the all of the the money and time that you would spend making something like a PS4 Pro that's pretty strong but still not strong as a P, not as strong as a PS5 and and more expensive to make than a PS4 Slim. It just makes more sense to reallocate those resources into making more PS5s which are more in demand, more technologically relevant. And, you know, making sure that if people still want a PlayStation 4 for, you know, maybe they're not really all that interested in, in PS5 or maybe they're not all that interested in, in uh, you know, performance heavy machines. Maybe they just want a, a small machine to play games and get people on the PlayStation platform. I think the PS4 Slim makes a ton of sense in that regard. Yeah, I agree with you. It's since they did have this half step, you have to kind of remove the, com- the compelling nature of the half step in order to get people to take the full step. So, yeah, it kind of does make sense. But I also think it reaffirms, Chris, what I've been saying, which is that PS4 Pro's popularity is probably very overrated because if it was still yeah. selling, I think that they would they would keep making them. I-, I feel like they've always been rare and I feel like they've always underproduced them. And I don't know that it was because they were selling. I just don't believe it because when you get outside, like... I don't know many people, I guess, outside of gaming circles that play games, but I don't feel like the PS4 Pro is like a prevalent piece of hardware unless you're like a nerd. You know, why would you why? Why would you go in and spend? And that's the other thing is that this thing is basically comparably priced, like we said, to PS5. So, yeah, no, exactly. And it didn't even the the the, the most baffling ex- exclusion to me. I mentioned this even when they first announced this thing and when we first learned what the, what the machine even had like in its components. You, you built a like a half step next gen PlayStation 4 that's supposed to like run games at 4K that was like the whole thing it was like hey upscaled 4K and like that was that was the whole push at the time and you had like performance modes and stuff like that but you didn't have a 4K Blu-ray player in it like why what that seems like such an obvious thing to overlook considering how important Blu-ray was to PS3 considering how important DVD was to PS2, and I'm sure, like, yeah, it's probably not going to be a huge deal for a lot of people, but I can say, like, if if I'm, especially back when these machines were coming out, when the Xbox One X was coming out, and when the, the PS4 Pro was coming out, like, if I was giving somebody, like, a recommendation on which one to get if they just wanted, like, a machine that had value, I, I would have been like, yeah, the, the One X is stronger, and, it, and it's a 4K Blu-ray player. You know, physical media is not super relevant, but... 
that's still something that should be in that thing. Like it, it's a 4K marketed console that doesn't have a 4K Blu-ray. It's very bizarre. And I think that's probably the reason why it, it didn't sell as, as well as it could have. It is also just this weird kind of generational half-step that really only people who give a shit about performance and stuff like that would be even be interested in in the first place. So it doesn't even... I don't know, the fact that it doesn't even have that casual appeal of like, oh, I can watch movies at uh, 4K native, um, I feel like probably didn't do it too well. Didn't do it too many favors. I think they also introduced with the PS5 two new SKUs. So I think from a marketing standpoint, it's like, well, now there's two PS4s and there's two PS5s. Yeah. You don't, we don't know how many PS4 Pros sold versus how many PS4s, do we? No, they've never broken the it down. That, that, that's why I, I speculate that they've not sold very well. That They usually hide their numbers. Like we've said, like they started talking about handhelds. When the Vita started failing, they started folding PSP and Vita numbers together so that they, they would obfuscate what the real numbers were and then you didn't know. And it's very much like what Microsoft used to do with Xbox One. Like we used to have to go into EA numbers and they would say something like, well, 120 million next gen consoles have been sold. And then we'd be like, well, Sony announced, you know, 78 million PS4. So this is how many Xbox Ones were sold. It's like we have to do all these this annoying math to figure things out with Sony. But and meanwhile, Nintendo, no matter how they're doing in their financials, talks to like the hundredth of a a hundred thousandth as to how many games they sell. Like even in the Wii U era, it was awesome. Yeah. They're like a they're like a bastion of proper data, which is nice. But no, I guess they don't have to tell us. But we we await official numbers. Uh, they have to come soon. They're definitely going to come before the fiscal year is over, mm-hmm. which is March. So the end of March. But I, I imagine they'll say something before then. And it could be something like where they're like, we could have sold a lot more, and these numbers are disappointing to us. But I doubt that that's the case. So we'll see what happens. All right, this other one's a pretty big piece of news that I actually didn't see many people talking about, Mm -hmm. which surprised me. Number two, over the holidays, the widely expected class action lawsuit, the first of what could be many, was filed against CD Projekt over December's Cyberpunk 2077 related fiasco. To briefly catch everyone up, Cyberpunk 2077 finally launched on December 10th on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC, and both the PS4 and Xbox iterations of the game were significantly botched. This particular class action suit brought by a man named Andrew Tramp and open to other potential litigants is being handled by the Los Angeles-based Rosen Law Firm and doesn't actually have anything to do with people who bought the game, but rather investors in the company. The suit charges that individual executives at CD Projekt openly, regularly, and routinely made misleading statements about Cyberpunk 2077's playability and viability, driving its stock price substantially higher. Sadly, for those who bought the hype, it's since down some 50% as a result of Cyberpunk's reputation, which is catastrophic. A press release from Rosen Law Firm distilling the action reads in part, quote, one, Cyberpunk 2077 was virtually unplayable on the current generation Xbox or PlayStation systems due to an enormous number of bugs. Two, as a result, Sony would remove Cyberpunk 2077 from the PlayStation Store and Sony, Microsoft and CD Projekt would be forced to offer full refunds for the game. Three, consequently, CD Projekt would suffer reputational and uh, pecuniary harm, I'm sorry. And four, as a result, defendant's statements about its business operations and prospects were materially false and misleading and or lacked a reasonable basis at all relevant times. When the true details entered the market, the lawsuit claims the investors suffered damages, end quote. For its part, CD Projekt told its investors in a call that it will, quote, undertake a vigorous action to defend itself, end quote, according to Gamma Sutra. An investor, an investor concern may be temporary, I'm sorry. Ten days after release on December 20th, Cyberpunk had already surpassed a staggering 13 million copies sold, making its entire development and marketing budget back, and then some. So, interestingly, the first out of the gate in terms of class action suits is 
to protect the investors that invested on the Polish stock market in CD Projekt, which is a publicly traded company there. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's too much to say about it because we're going to have to now wait to see what other litigants get on board. But are you surprised that this got out the gate before the inevitable class action suit against them from players? Uh, I assume this was more attractive to lawyers, but eventually there's going to be thousands of people that are going to want to see CD Projekt for the game. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'll be real. Like, I'm not really that well versed in any of this, like, um, any anything regarding like like lawsuits and shit like th- this is all like alien to me like oh like the investors needed this it's like well all right uh, I, I guess I'll trust whatever the hell's going on but it, it is very it, I will say that it's because on the outside anyway to the to the layman it would seem right that this would imply that CD project of their own volition like of their own volition as a development studio decided to put out the game before it was ready, despite understanding the reputational harm that that would cause. But that, that, but yeah. So what they're basically saying, yeah, what they're basically saying is, is that they juiced up the price, the stock price by making promises that they couldn't keep. Mm -hmm. And then the juice was let out of the, the the lemon when the game came out and people lost money. Cause if you bought, at the high and then it's down 50% then you lost half of your investment right off the bat, you know? And so no matter what your dividends are going to be, if you invested a lot of money, you're not going to get your money back anytime soon. So, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, it seems strange out from the outside perspective, because you would assume that the own, like you would assume that a game that is pushed out before it's ready is literally all to do with investor demand in the first place. You know what I mean? Like that is typically the colloquial understanding of that because why would a dev, do that otherwise you know i i guess the claim that they make in the rose and law lawsuit and who knows if it's true or not they say that they're going to you know defend themselves i'm sure that they're going to is that they're saying that the exact because specific executives are are named yeah that they basically had a financial interest and they obviously do they all have options i'm sure so they have a massive interest in driving the price up because then they can sell their securities at a higher price Right, right, right if they wanted to so it's a pretty what they're what they're alleging is pretty serious. And that would get you a, that would be an arrestable offense, I would assume, if if that's true. That's not just a civil thing. So it's a pretty serious claim. And um, it's much more serious than what we're going to get from the the class action suit, which is just going to be people wanting their money back. Yeah. Which will is still going to cost them millions of dollars. And I think that's why Sony came out and removed the game because they don't want to be named as a litigant. Because they'll just be like, listen, even if they're named, they'll go and represent themselves and be like, we should be removed from this. We we removed the game from our service like two days after it came out. So uh, this is all going to ramp up soon. And uh, I'll be interested to see how this all goes for them. But yeah, yeah, but then there's like certification in the first place that allowed the game to, to come out in an unplayable state anyway, like on those platforms, you know what I mean? It's because certification is not about the playability of the game. I I, I guess. Which is crazy, but it's true. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's wild. It's more about like if a trademark sign is in the right place, and if you're no, tra- yeah, if the game if the true. game doesn't, it's literally some of it's like does the game like not brick your PS4? Check, right? Yeah, that's, it's that kind of stuff. So <laughs> there there should be a subsect of that 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 is playability though. Well, I agree, and that would go back to what I've been saying for years about getting some of these games off of PSN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quality control. Even if you had some sort of council, yeah, of people that just like they just sat at their desks and they just got the games and they just they didn't beat them, but you just. Dude, if I played Life of Black Tiger for 10 minutes, I can be like, this game sucks. I don't need to play it for five hours. So no, I could have written that up and told you in a day and been done. We could have avoided that game. 
being on there, but that's not what Sony wants to do. They want you to buy bad games too. All right, number three. I'm interested to see what you think of this. Mm-hmm. Outriders has been delayed. The third-person shooter RPG from developer People Can Fly was first supposed to come out in 2020, though it has been pushed back, or though it was, I'm sorry, pushed to February 2nd, 2021. According to publisher Square Enix, it will now come to both PS4 and PS5 on April 1st. The announcement of this move was somewhat peculiar. It reads in part, quote, We believe it's important that players get to experience a new IP like Outriders before release so that you can decide for yourselves whether the game is something you wish to pre-order, purchase, or play. For this reason, we're excited to announce that on February 25th, 2021, we will be publishing a free demo, giving everyone the chance to play the first few hours of the game, end quote. All character classes will be available and your save will carry over to the final game on April 1st. Outriders was originally announced at E3 in 2019 and will be People Can Fly's first original game since 2013's Gears of War Judgment. They were, of course, an eternal epic stu- internal epic studio for a while and they worked on Fortnite and others, but yeah, they, uh, they're they best made, known for Bulletstorm. Uh, they made um, Bulletstorm, right? Right. Yeah. And then they did Gears 4, right? And Gears no. Judgment? No, no, they did, they did Gears of War Judgment. Because Gears, Gears, Gears 4 was a Coalition and, coalition, and, so, right. okay. and 5 as well. Right, uh, gotcha. Ju- judgment, though, is, is the worst one. So I don't yeah, know I that mean, I even played it. I might have. I don't know. I don't. If I was at IGN, I probably did. I played it. It was not particularly good. But yeah, no, I I I like this. A- anything that brings demos back in any conceivable way, I'm I'm all for. Uh, I think this is just like a very consumer friendly thing. Uh, it speaks honestly to a pretty decent amount of confidence on their part to just give away that much of their game for free. From what I've seen, it just sort of looks like a like a Destiny Warframe kind of clone. So I'm 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 a little curious as to where that confidence comes from, because it's it's not something that looks particularly that interesting to me. But I mean, that's pretty that's pretty like I appreciate the hell out of that. You know, demos are hard to come by now. It's funny because I think that this shows. I disagree with you a little bit in the fact that I think that this shows that they are worried about oh, the yeah? game. Well, look who's publishing it, first of all, Square Enix. And (laughs) yeah, they just got burnt to the tune of $65 million on the Avengers game. I think that they probably were looking at this and being like, like, first of all, they can see the pre-order numbers. They're probably really bad. And Mm -hmm. they're like, no one gives a shit about this game. And the only way we're going to salvage it is to make it free and do some sort of gated five hour demo that then lets you take the save over in a final fantasy 14 like manner or something like that and bring it over and play the final version i I, to me i think it says that they're like you know really worried about it they might not be worried about it from a quality standpoint but i'd be worried about it i'd be very worried about it yeah no i I, that is that is a good point i think that makes a lot of sense i I think divorced from the context you could read it in in either way like if you if you had like um like if bungie was putting out a game and it was like hey listen this is a new ip from bungie we're gonna have a like a six hour demo or whatever the hell yeah that's a different story than what people can fly having a having like a, a couple hour demo i guess that's that is a good point yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. It could be like a very um, wily move to be like, let's, this is like a guerrilla marketing kind of thing for us, which is smart. I mean, it's, you kind of sacrifice money on the front end for pre-orders to get people on the back end, which is wise. But I just think yeah. Square Enix is probably like, this was not a wise investment for us to make three or four years ago. This game is going to bomb and we need to do something about it. Yeah. And I imagine it's going to be another game that drags their bottom line down. And I don't think the game looks bad and I hope I'm wrong about it, but the space is just uh, it, it's, how many it's, times it's do you have to very, say when you make you you make these decisions four years before the game comes out 
you have to know or have to have some sort of prescience about what the market's going to look like, you know, because when the investment comes out the other end of the Wonka fucking chocolate machine, then it's it's too late. You know, like yeah. no one cares. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's why I was so happy that house market band and storm divers, because I'm like, that's going to be the end of you. Mm-hmm. And they were wise enough to know that. So, yeah, no, I think you've you've swayed me. That, that makes sense. I, I totally forgot. Like, I, I genuinely forgot that it was square. Um, square. And it totally like blanked out of my head immediately after you read it, that it was square as a square as square enix often does in my in my mind to be fair well but uh i i think <laughs> they were pretty amped about this one two punch two years ago yeah probably and i think that they're not very happy about it now and i, I wish that they they thought final fantasy 16 was going to come out any sooner than 2024 or something like that yeah all right let's see here i'm gonna turn my line on because it's getting dark over here now oh yeah please getting a little dark Ooh. Wow. Don't know if that's any better, but no, it looks great. I mean, yeah, I, we're using Riverside, like we said, and you look fine. But it says in the corner, the recordings look and sound much better than what you see live. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what I look like. Who cares? All right, number four. Oh, this is one. This one's. Uh, well, we'll see what you think of this one. Number four. There are rumblings from Japan that a Tenchu revival might be in the works for PlayStation Five. Though closer examination of the source material indicates that's not quite, not quite true yet, but could be soon. As reported by multiple sources, including website Gamatsu, famous Japanese gaming magazine Famitsu, conducted an interview with Takuma Endo, the president of Acquire. Acquire is a Japanese studio that's best known for its Tenchu franchise of third-person ninja games that began on PS1 in the form of Tenchu Stealth Assassins in 1998. Tenchu has been dormant since the 2009 PSP game Shadow Assassins, though Acquire also owns and operates the Way of the Samurai series, begun on PS2 in 2002, the Shinobito franchise, begun on PS2 in 2005, and the quirky Akiba Strip franchise, which began on PSP in 2011. In the interview, however, Endo merely states that he and his team, quote, would like to make a stealth ninja game from the ground up for the PlayStation 5 generation, end quote, if given the opportunity, and thus they've trademarked stealth assassins in various locales around the world. Kenneth Ohms wrote in and said, hello, gentlemen, thoughts on the potential Tenchu revival by Acquire. The president of the company told Famitsu that he wanted to revive the franchise and build it for the ground up or uh, from the ground up for PS5. Chris, do you think this will scratch your stealth game itch? You're a Tenchu fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I I wouldn't consider myself like a like a, a fan fan. Like I did, I wasn't like ingratiated in the world of Tenchu or anything. <laughs> but like uh, I I played a handful of Tenchu games like uh, on and off. Um, I borrowed them from cousins and like friends and, and stuff like that because uh, my parents wouldn't buy me anything with swords in them. I remember that was like a key thing. It was like you can't have that. But, but for some reason, guns were fine. It's interesting. Well, either <laughs> I, way, you get stabbed. Stabbing is br- more brutal. I'd rather get shot. I, I guess. Personally. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather. I'd rather come face to face with like a gun than like a, a like a a wily guy with a with a katana. You know. Right. Oh, that's scary as shit. That's scary. Remember the, yeah. remember the guy that was on QVC that was hitting the sword on the on the desk and then and then snap. <laughs> We're gonna need emergency surgery in the studio. Just something about people who own swords uh, or multiple. You know, that's a concerning individual. But yeah. No, yeah, I, I remember I played. Ironically, like some of my some of my favorite memories with Tenchu are, are from like I think the, the the most hated game in that series. I think it's Tenchu Z that was not reviewed very well. But yeah, like it's an time, Xbox 360 game. Yeah, yeah. but was, at the time, I remember playing it. And I was like, oh, this is like kind of cool. Like I like this aesthetic, and it just felt really cool to just have that freedom and 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 uh, that tone to it. And and Sekiro really really scratched that is for me too in a lot of ways. I in in. In more ways than one, it feels like ten, like uh, it feels that Sekiro is is kind of a Tenchu game as as it is already. 
so yeah, no, I'm totally into it. I don't. I I will say though, like I don't know if it's going to scratch the the stealth itch for me. It's going to scratch like the the ninja itch, which is you know always a good itch to be scratched. But stealth is like very particular. Stealth, I think, is is very inherently modern. It's it's inherently a little bit techy. Like I want to have like a, a camera that I can shove under a door and like look around and and uh, you know I, I want to be able to remote EMP and and like stuff like that. Like I I like the Splinter Cell school of of, of st- and then the Metal Gear school of, of of stealth more than I care for the uh, you know sneaking around in like uh, colonial U.S. and in, in Assassin's Creed Three, which is just more of more about like the surroundings and more about like a tailing people than it is about actual stealth stealth did you ever play the shinobito games that they did by chance no, that that was i, ba- I was kind of always confused because they i always was like shinobito is tenshu i don't understand what the difference is between these two these two games they're like almost the same thing to me i've always thought that there was like some sort of ip issue but i guess they own tenshu and like you said sekiro was supposed to be a Tenchu game, so it's not like it's just uh, inspired by it. And you can and you can obviously see that, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Now the second I saw it for the first time, I was like, "That's Tenchu." <laughs> you know, it must be that. You know what? Tenchu might be owned by Activision, and that's why they trademark Stealth Assassins, which might not be. I don't know. There's. I got. Maybe I'll look into this more. That's. We don't have to do a live. I don't, we don't have to do this one live. All right. Number five. Sony has revealed January's free PlayStation Plus games, and they're available for you to download right now. PlayStation 5 players will receive Maneater, the surprisingly well-liked open-world shark game from developer Tripwire Interactive that first came out in 2020. It's important to note that Maneater is also available on PlayStation 4 and that that version will not be available. So you cannot get the PS4 version of the game, only the PS5 version. Speaking of open-world games, PS Plus subscribers, subscribers will receive PlayStation 4's Greedfall, Greedfall is an open-world action RPG from developer Spiders and first came to PS4 in 2019. A native PS5 release is planned for 2021, though it isn't clear if redeeming this version will get you that version for free. Last up this month is the IDOS Montreal, developed in Square Enix published Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which was a fall 2018 launch on PlayStation 4. It's also the last Tomb Raider game thus far. As always, even if you don't intend on playing any of these games now, you may change your mind later, so redeem them from the PlayStation Store this month if you're a Plus subscriber. Oh, and if you bought Maneater in the last month or so, keep an eye out, as you may get an automatically processed refund as reported around the internet. Did you see that, that Sony just started sending people Maneater refunds if they bought the game in like the last month? Why? What, because what I, my, my assumption is because they anticipate like we don't even want to deal with this shit. It seems like it's the same thing that happened with Cyberpunk just to a lesser degree where they're like, fine, we're just taking it off the store. It's it's cheaper for us to not deal with this. And wow. I felt like they did. Yeah. So I thought that was a pretty nice pro consumer thing yeah. for Sony to do. So Andrew Dixon wrote in and said, hey, CNC, and hopefully D, D's not here this week. We got some other D for you, but not, not the D that you're looking for. <laughs> I was pumped to see a solid offering of PS Plus games last uh, after last month's week showing. That being said, it confused me to see Maneater offered exclusively on PS5. I get that they want to add value, but does it strike you as strange to choose a PS4 game with a ray tracing upgrade over a native PS5 title? Thanks for the treasure trove that is Last Stand Media, and I hope your Patreon grows exponentially after all you've given us. Thank you, Andrew. So I was thinking about this, Chris. I don't remember this ever happening before. They used to not promote it. But you would be able to usually like, for for instance, PS3 Vita games, they wouldn't say like, oh, this is also available on Vita or this is also available on PS3, but it was just kind of a given. I don't remember them ever specifically isolating a version of the game, although with PS5, this is new. We've not 
been doing this so far. Did you find that peculiar as well? Not necessarily. Not not the isolating factor. I th- I think um I think it's it's a lot more clear that PS5 and PS4 are different platforms, uh, more so than Xbox Series X and Xbox One. Where like if they did that that kind of thing on Xbox One, I would be confused because so much of those two ecosystems are shared and identical. Uh, that it would be it would be weird to have just this arbitrary division for like no reason other than just kind of covering a company's ass. But, you know, with PS5 and PS4 being so different, both in aesthetics, functionality and, and I assume even on the back end, I don't know, it, it makes sense to me to to maybe be like, hey, you know, this is the PS4 has way more available because it's, it's been around for a longer time. We don't have much on PS5 right now. I, I, I'll tell you the reason why you're not getting a native PS5 title is because there aren't really many. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of what I'm thinking, too. It's kind of just like no one took their offer. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to I don't know what what you could possibly really do about that. Aside from like, just you, you can't just will things into existence. You're not me, you know, but you are. I don't know. That, or they are. You are you. You are you. I as am far me. As I understand as far as I understand. But nah, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's that weird. Honestly, I, I think they're I think they really are just scrounging for things to find to put on this to put on PS Plus. And, and it's probably harder to harder to do now that it's so distinctly different from its previous generation i think xbox is having a bit of an easier time with this because they're so intertwined uh with each other as far as the storefronts go and all that stuff but yeah there aren't that many ps5 games yet yeah you they probably wanted to give away a triple a game and i'm sure tripwire took the money and Maneater probably did way better than they thought it was going to do anyway. I'm really excited to play it. Uh, it looks fucking awesome. I just, yeah. I'm just, I'm just uh, not there yet. So sorry, I keep shifting around. By the way, I shift around all the time. I, people, no, nah, it's fine. It's it. normal. I'm doing the same thing. Yeah, I, I, my back hurts so bad. I don't know why. I don't do anything. You know, like that's what, probably why your back my, hurts. It's like I got a Danganronpa injury from laying in the wrong, wrong way in bed while I was watching, uh, you know, Karen videos on YouTube and playing Danganronpa. <laughs> now he did bring up something else that I, I wanted to ask you about Chris which was what do you think of the quality of the, the lineup because when I saw the, the games of the lineup I'm like this is an awesome lineup of games this is a very very good top tier I would even say PS plus lineup of games again uh, Maneater Greedfall and then Shadow of the Tomb Raider do you agree or do you do you want something more I think it's upper mid tier I would say I think it's not bad and I wouldn't have much to complain about but like um like, what do you think the best, what do you think, like, the, the most top tier month was in the last, oh. like, several, like, because th- there was one month that I remember was, like, a particularly good one. Um, Let me see. And I've been kind thing? of, I've been comparing every month to that month as far as, like, my initial gut reaction. And uh, nothing's really quite reached. I wish I could remember the game specifically. I just only, I only remember the feeling of being like, that's a good, that's a good month. Yeah. All right. So there's a Wikipedia. I, I thought that there might be something here. <laughs> so wait what is this the section of the playstation plus games oh this is for 2020 oh i see okay so in december it was worms rumble just cause four and rocket arena the month before was shadow of war and hollow knight that's pretty good that's pretty and good bug one. snacks that's pretty good uh the month before october was vampire and need for speed payback so they got something going on with focus home interactive because um vampire appeared and then yeah now greedfall appears I guess maybe the fall fall guy was in August. That was huge because yeah. that game was so big. But I would say, I mean, just looking at the lineups myself, this is all obviously subjective. I would say this is the strongest lineup in. Oh, you know, in February 2020, Bioshock Collection, Sims 4, 
firewall for PSVR. That's probably the last time that there was like a yeah, yeah. well-rounded that's a pre- month. That's, that's a pretty good one. But yeah, I don't know. This one's fine. Uh, nothing in it particularly speaks to me. I, th- I think Maneater is, is the most interesting thing. Uh, I've seen Greedfall and I've, I've seen... Um, uh, what is this other one? It's uh, Greedfall, Shadow of the Tomb Raider... Right, right. And I play. Ch- I, be- I beat Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and uh, the, the, yeah, me too. On a quality standpoint, I think this is a pretty good one. It's just not all that like exciting. Maneater is obviously the one that I'm probably <laughs> most interested in because it just looks ridiculous as a premise. But I think it's a fine month. I-, I wouldn't find much to complain about, especially just considering how early this is in the new life cycle of the console. There's really not much on the store, even like I remember just browsing through the store, and I'm like, <laughs> I went through the whole store already. And uh, yeah, there's nothing. Found. There's nothing there. Yeah. It's kind of nice because I, 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 that's the thing. Because I didn't feel any pressure this holiday season. I'm just like, there's no because ru- even when um, there's no cyberpunk, really, I don't know what's coming out for the next few months that I'm even really that excited about until Returnal. I don't, I don't know. I got like all the time in the world. Like, I got yeah. all the time. Time enough at last. And then I step on my glasses. So uh, I got to say, Greedfall looks dope. The whole premise of Greedfall is super cool. That like you're going mm-hmm. to an, an island to like tame it. Like you're a colonial officer. It's pretty, I can see why that would offend people, but uh, I think it looks no, it super look cool. cool. So I'm excited. I like, the, about it. I like the colonial aesthetic. I just I, I st- I'm always reminded of Assassin's Creed three when I think of colonial colonial video. It just can't I can't help it. I think it's pretty much the only other game that's really like that even still, yeah, at least in the third person action realm. Yeah, like you'd have to go to like the strat like the the grand yeah, simulation yeah. and strategy stuff to find any of that stuff. Yeah, like I civilization. Think. Yeah. Oh, well, there goes Rush. All right, uh, let's see here. Did we read this one? Oh, no, we didn't. Corn Tool wrote into us. And like Corn and Tool, the bands. Says, sup guys, I noticed that some of the past few PS Plus games have also been games that are already on PS Now. Games like Vampire, Hollow Knight, and Greedfall. Also, if I'm not mistaken, I think Shadow of the Tomb Raider is too. I think it's kind of dumb for those who pay for both services. Maybe they should just combine the both of them. What do you think of this decision by PlayStation? Thanks for all the great content. We've talked about the whole combination thing. We don't have to talk about that now. I'm more curious if you think it's weird that there are PS Plus games appearing for free that are also available ostensibly for free on PS Now for a subscription. I don't think it's that weird, mostly because PS Now is used by almost nobody compared to PS Plus. I would say it's probably somewhere along the lines of like 20 to 1. So they don't give a shit if they're doubling up on games since 19 out of 20 people are not going to know. So that's my answer. But does do you think it matters? Do you think it's weird? No, I, I agree with you. I, th- I don't think it's all that weird. I think they're two separate things, and uh, I think they appeal to two different kinds of audiences. They're, sure, if if you own both subscription services, that might be a little bizarre, and uh, you might feel like a little shortchanged, but I, I feel like both services, because they're... You're not paying like $50 a month, you know, for the for these things. So you're probably just kind of taking what you're getting, and, you know, PS Now is... is you're not paying necessarily for like one specific game that's on PS Now. When you pay for PS Now, you're kind of paying for the Netflix thing where it's like you're you're just paying to have um this subscription that you can reliably stream a lot of content from. It's less about the specific things that are on there um at least from like a at least from from on their end. I'm sure people buy it for like specific things like oh, that's on PS Now, maybe I'll pick it up and I'm sure people subscribe to Netflix Netflix for specific shows. But once those specific shows are done, or once once you finish that game that you've been wanting to stream on PS Now, now you just have a now you're paying for a subscription to something that lets you stream shit, and you know PS Plus is like a completely different thing because I'm pretty sure you own those things and you download them natively. Like they they are different technically, and and they're different enough, 
and uh, sparse enough in their offerings where it's the overlap isn't all that obvious or all that common that I, I don't think it's all that bizarre. No, and I also think the question kind of begs the answer of it would be more relevant if what you were paying for with PlayStation Plus was only free games, but that's actually not. But I would say actually for most people, what they're paying for is online gameplay. The free games is secondary. And for me, actually, the most important thing is the cloud saving. So you, it's a whole litany of services that I think are relevant. And yeah. so I just think you're you're kind of comparing apples and oranges. But speaking of PlayStation Now, number six, PlayStation Now, Sony streaming service has received some new notable games in its library. The biggest game of the bunch is The Crew 2, the Ubisoft developed and published racing game first launched on PS4 in mid-2018. Two other notable entries, according to Sony, are Surviving Mars and Frostpunk Console Edition. Surviving Mars, launched in early 2018 from Bulgarian studio Habemont, is a city-building sim, while Frostpunk Console Edition, first on PS4 in late 2019, is a survival game. Sony's PS Now costs $9.99 a month or $59.99 a year in the U.S. and currently includes more than 800 games across PS2, PS3, and PS4. And then finally, number seven is a wrap-up, a brief one this week, Chris. Website Gamatsu yeah. reports Chinese-developed action RPG Anno Mutanium, uh, I think I'm saying that right, has been delayed on PlayStation 4 and will now launch during the third quarter of this year. So that's one of the um, the Chinese-announced games from that were, that were revealed. It's almost here. It will also get a native PlayStation 5 release, which is good news. Website Persona Central reports that 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim, the aforementioned VanillaWare in their surprising visual novel, has surpassed 300,000 copies sold. So congratulations to them. And it appears Ubisoft's Immortals Phoenix Rising is getting its first DLC pack in the form of A New God, purportedly launching on PS- PSN for both PS4 and PS5 on January 21st. So that's it for the news. Okay. And now we get into the intriguing games of the week. Now, I kind of copped out this week because there's really very little of note coming to PlayStation mm-hmm. Store. Mm-hmm. Instead, what I put for myself here and we can both kind of go off of this if we want, is yeah. there's a really awesome holiday sale uh, going on right now. And so I just wanted to alert some people to a few things that they might be interested in. Uh, first of all, big AAA games like Ghost of Tsushima and The Last of Us are severely discounted, I think like 40%. I also noticed for you, Chris, that um, Destiny 2 Beyond Light is 15% off. Mm-hmm. But in the new sale, I bought a bunch of totally random shit like final fantasy games and i bought final uh, i I didn't tell anyone this i bought final fantasy 14 uh the complete edition like the the realm reborn with all the dlc for 30 bucks in the deal in the uh, sale that's pretty so yeah so there's a lot of uh there's a lot of really good stuff there so instead of just telling you to look for some random game i want people to really go and and check out the sale because uh, there's sales are, are rare, rarely this steep as they are this time of year, uh, November, December, January. So mm-hmm. uh, is, is there anything you wanted to double up on there before we, yeah. Uh, so I, I was in kind of the same boat as you. I was looking through things and I was like, there's really nothing here that's, uh, catching my eye, but some stuff on the sale did. And one thing in particular that I would highly, highly recommend, uh, Bayonetta and Vanquish 10th anniversary bundle is like 20 bucks right now. Yeah, great uh, that's like a 50% discount. On a, it's usually like a $40 game and you could get both of them for 20 bucks. Those are both great games. Vanquish, I think, is sincerely underrated and Bayonetta is great. So like it's kind of a no brainer uh, in my opinion. But one thing I did notice was I'm on the PlayStation Store website right now and uh, there's <laughs> there's a game called uh, Good Dog, Bad Dog and it's available for either either $24.99 or $4. 
<laughs> it's so, like a DLC pack with all their bullshit in it. No, it's the same exact game. It's not. It's not just hey, this game is is usually twenty four dollars. It's discounted eighty percent. It's literally like on the website, two separate games, the same game, one for twenty five dollars and one for four. It's so, like a social experiment to see if anyone buys it. You know, yeah. Like people are saying, doesn't doesn't Sony or Microsoft occasionally put up a game on accident for ten thousand dollars? Like that, ha- like people report <laughs> on that every so often. I don't know. We're gonna and take I, a screenshot of this though because I think it's it's very very should, amusing. We did get a question here from Alan Gonski. He says, "Hello, CC, DM, and K. I think you're way overestimating who's gonna be on the show." He says, "Why is it that the store on the PS5 is hot garbage? Not saying the PS4 storefront was all that great, but there is no useful information on the store page as a whole." Compare this to the Xbox store and it is night and day. So my question is simple. How would you fix the PS5 store? My whole thing is just use the web store. I know that that's such a cop out at this point, but the PS5 store is bad. I was I was using it the other day and I'm like, why? Why am I having so much trouble with this console? Am I becoming actively stupider? Maybe I don't know for sure, but I'm really struggling. And I find that the 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 PlayStation store website is just the solution to the problem. As yeah. we just proved, by the way, by just scrolling through it and looking at everything in two seconds. I don't know yeah. how else I would design it. I, I don't care. Just use the just. They need to redesign the UI. Yeah, th- this is one of this was uh, this is something that I, I hope happens this year. I, I really sincerely hope that there's like a pretty uh, pretty major UI redesign because I I, I uh, man, it's it, I, I feel like the UI is so close to being pretty good. Like I actually like the store only because it's it's fast. But the second you get over the quickness of it, it it's it becomes very clear that it's still a remarkably cumbersome thing. So, yeah, I really don't know even how I would fix it. But uh, luckily, that's not my job. <laughs> so, no. No, uh, hopefully the UI designers over there know what they're doing. Uh, hopefully the UI is as weird as it is because they couldn't get it into the hands of people before... Or before uh, earlier on in the year because of the pandemic or whatever the hell they couldn't get uh, proper feedback. I'm gonna hope that that's the case, but uh, the UI needs some work. Not even just the store. I just mean like from like a from overall. Like um, I don't know why the icons are so small too. Does that does that bother you? It, it kind of bothers me. Yeah, th- there's that some- the icons are just like weirdly small. I, I there's so much that bothers me. I feel like I'm being nitpicky in some way. You know. Yeah. Like where I almost I'm hesitant to even talk about it. Yeah, it feels mean only because it's so so much faster, you know. And it's like, oh, I love this. This is so fast. But also, what am I clicking? Yeah. Oh my goodness, that was horrifying. I didn't like that at all. Holy shit! You think I'm missing a chromosome? All right. Let's see here. Reader mail, listener mail. I don't know why we call it reader mail. This is when we uh, end each episode of our show. Six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas from the Patreon audience at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. It's a nice way for us to wrap things up. Ian wrote into us and said, hey, Last Stand crew. First of all, I'm so proud of you guys for nailing the new direction and evolution of the company. Thank you. My question, though, is how have we gotten this far without mentioning that the sound effect for popping a trophy changed with the launch of PS5? Surely this is big news, no? Either way, much love. Thanks for all the content. Defining Duke is cemented into my weekly rotation, even though I don't currently and don't plan on ever owning a Series X. Good content is good content, and you guys deliver. Well, a lot of people say that about this show, too, that are Xbox fans. So that's a good compliment. Thank you for that. The bigger story here is not that the trophy sounds changed, per se. It's that um, you can customize your trophy sounds now. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about that yet. Developers can give you a special sound for like a platinum 
and do all of that. And I don't think it's been fully explored yet. So Ian, the texture of the, of the trophy ecosystem on PS5 has just been explored in a very cursory way. The bigger thing I was thinking about, though, when I was playing my PS3 the other day, and then I actually started doing little scientific experiments with it, was the PS3, PS4, and PS5 all make the same exact indistinguishable sound of start, uh, startup sound. Like, if you, if I just was like, I'm going to start in sequence, the three consoles, you don't know what sequence they're going to be in. You would never be able to tell me which ones were I was turning on in order. Right. And I was like, I don't think I ever realized that that's kind of like a continuity thing in and of itself. Like, I thought that they were all similar, but they're not. They're the same. But the trophy sounds are changing. This obviously doesn't matter to you very much, though. I I I don't know. Like, uh, I, I've never necessarily cared that much about trophies. But, like, I remember when I was getting into achievements uh, during the 360 days, I really did kind of fall in love with that sound like the, the pop of the achievement i was like oh this is a great i love that there's something about it. it's like i want i want to hear that more often and with the xbox one they did what they did here basically like they changed the sound entirely they changed kind of like the look of things entirely and i remember immediately like i remember when i got my xbox one i was like oh i don't care about achievements now like because it's just not the same it's like it, you're conditioned to really like a specific sound and then it changes and you're like this doesn't it's a very nitpicky thing, but I remember being like, oh, I, I genuinely don't care to hear this ever again uh, because it's just something it just doesn't make it, f- it makes me feel weird that it's, it's like not... Pavlov's bell. You know, yeah, like it's exactly that. it's exactly Pavlov's bell. And I think it also probably helps that like I, I obviously played uh, the 360 in, you know, like uh, the tail end of um, junior high into high school, particularly formative, I would guess. Uh, so like once, you know, I don't know, once I got into college and I was using this, this new machine, I was like, this doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. Um, so I do, I do understand like that, that, that is a huge, I'm surprised, like I didn't notice it because the, the PS, the, the PlayStation trophy sound never was like, it didn't really hit that same bell because it just didn't get to me first. Um, it really is just an order of sequence, <laughs> I feel like, but that is a pretty huge deal. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people feel kind of off put by it. Like I did. Yeah, I, I didn't. I noticed when I I think when I platinum bug snacks that the platinum noise was totally different. I was like, what the hell? And then, uh, so it was it was a nice little surprise, just a nice little something yeah, yeah. different, I guess. But I don't know that it, it matters to me too, too much. Although I will say to their credit, it's cool to kind of change things up and give people some more uh, options. And I'm never going to be mad about that. But seems like I said because they buried trophies so far into the UI that maybe they're not as important as they once were. Although I did hear from someone else saying that they're more important than ever. And either way, I'll say that it's nice to just have earned trophies immediately when you earn them, which was never a problem on Xbox. But on PS3, people will remember that the trophy system was so lagged behind the game that it would sometimes <laughs> take like 15 or 20 seconds. And you didn't really know if you popped the trophy or did what you were supposed to do until it was like all over. So <laughs> I, when I was playing, I was playing Bioshock Infinite. I was like, oh, my God, like. I forgot yeah. that did happen on Xbox sometimes in fairness the worst and then every once in a while it would not show up because you didn't do the thing and you were like really crestfallen dude it, it would be scary sometimes like if uh, <laughs> like you just did something insanely hard you spent like five hours with like friends coordinating something you're like oh this like multiplayer achievement we finally did it and then like you're in the menu for like like 40 seconds and then Ba-doop. yeah and, and then like, it pops oh, up oh, thank God thank Christ and sometimes, sometimes because um, <laughs> because on the 360, the friends, uh, the friends online thing was the same as the achievement. 
Sometimes you'd like do something and then like your friend would come online and he's like, God damn it, stop. And then your achievement would pop and you'd just like be sp- spending time looking at your friend's name in like absolute terror and suspense. I don't even know Fun. what would happen if you, if you had a PSN friend sign in at the same time you got a trophy. <laughs> PS3 probably shut down. <laughs> All right. Kate O'Brien wrote into us and said, hello, Lance, Last Stand crew. Does it feel like Sega is the next major gaming publisher to have a resurgence? We've seen Capcom over the past few years, and it's starting to feel like Sega is moving in that direction. Atlas continues to reign supreme in the JRPG scene. Yakuza has begun to grow in popularity. Fantasy Star Online 2 is getting an update, and it seems like they are always they are treating Sonic right. Or I'm sorry, treating Sonic with more care. Just seems like they are turning a corner. What say you? As always, keep it high and tight. Yeah, it does seem like that. Seems like Sega's in great shape right now. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I think they're in. I think they're in a pretty good shape. I, th- I think Yakuza is on. Is their is their biggest boon right now? I think Yakuza is just such a um, it's such a niche thing that's also just so widely, widely known. I think I th- because it was there was that meme a couple months ago too with the, with the. I'm sure you've seen those, like the 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 was it the deep fakes of like people's photographs singing that Japanese song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you did one of you. Someone did one of you. I, I didn't saw. do that. I would never do that. I don't even know how to do that. Like that that is beyond my pay grade in any amount of uh, tech oriented shit. But no, I, I think uh, I think Yakuza is a, a big deal for them. I, I think Fantasy Star. I don't know. The last time I played a Fantasy Star game, it was. Not I wasn't necessarily playing it because it was great. I was playing it because a lot of people were on and they were just saying weird shit in the social spaces. And I just wanted to check it out. So I don't know what Fantasy Star Online 2 even even really is. And I know Atlas does some good stuff, but like just Yakuza is, is, is the biggest thing for them. And I, I think they could be on the, the, the cusp of a, of a pretty huge resurgence. The, the question, though, is will it be a Capcom because Capcom really like that was a really huge deal like because Capcom was outright bad for a while like Sega just sort of existed like they, they didn't necessarily put out anything like offensively terrible they just sort of like they were just kind of in the background not doing anything and now they're just sort of you know putting stuff out that's it's it's kind of cool and, and capturing people's attention so I don't know if it'll be as drastic as, as the that that whole Capcom turnaround uh, but there's definitely a turnaround happening. Yeah, that's a good point. And yeah, I don't think that the, I don't think the um the stakes are as high for them because I don't think they're as low as Capcom was, and I don't think they're going to get as high as Capcom is either because they don't yeah. need that kind of momentum. But you're right, Yakuza is huge. It's really been interesting to see how how much that's come on in the last few years. And now that they've migrated the games off of PlayStation, they have a uh, a bigger audience than ever. And then of course Persona Five was huge, and the Sonic movie, let's not forget, was also huge. And yeah, uh, that's oh yeah, so, that's true. So they have some stuff going on, and uh, I'm, I'm very pleased for Sega. We'll keep yeah. rooting for them. I'm actually looking into probably, like, I think after Immortals, I'll probably try a Yakuza. Yeah, you should. Because it's, it's, it's getting to the point where it's like, it, it's so ubiquitous now. And it's like, I, I should probably figure out what the hell this is, just for my own sake. I was talking to Micah about it because she's a huge fan, and she's trying to get me to play Like a Dragon, which is the role-playing game one. And I'm like, I just feel like such a poser just jumping in the Yakuza like so late I feel like I need to go back and and then it's just never gonna happen you know it's never gonna happen and I just I just get such heavy Shenmue vibes from it even though I know that's not fair <laughs> that I can't I can't but help and and by the way Shenmue also a Sega game but it looks like Shenmue done right though you know what I mean like it, it looks like it, it looks like Yakuza does what Shenmue tries to do you know you, you know what I mean does that make sense yeah no it's a much higher quality but yeah for sure 
with the benefit of more technology and more knowledge in gaming, I think, uh, what was you you suzuki right that's the shenmue mm-hmm. guy i think, I think he would so. have been able to to execute better shenmue 3 almost just came and went like no one even talks about yeah. it all right carmine meal wrote in and said hey cnc this is a question for colin just wanted to know why your excitement for final fantasy 16 seems to be so high if you never finished and or played final fantasy 15 if my memory serves me right i don't recall you finishing or even really putting too much time into the game is it the style of the new game that is getting you excited or was Final Fantasy 15's setting premise, et cetera, not really your cup of tea? Thank you for all that you guys do. Your podcasts have taken precedence over all other podcasts I consume. Hell yeah. Be well. That's right. That's right. That's so, right. I don't know that I really even agree with the premise. Final Fantasy is so expansive that there's obviously going to be games in the series that don't talk to me. And Final Fantasy X is a notable version, a notable game. But Final Fantasy XI and XIV are games I've not played yet. I didn't like Final Fantasy XIII. And Final Fantasy XV I played for five hours. I just wasn't into it. I think you said it, Carmine. I think Final Fantasy XVI setting and it's more fantasy-oriented slanting, I think, is very exciting. And I just think it looks really good. I'm just really excited about it. Plus, Final Fantasy VII Remake being one of my favorite games of 2020 has me just amped up about the possibilities. So, um... I don't know. I don't think it's that weird that I'm excited about it, but maybe it is. Maybe it's maybe it's weird. I don't know. Brent. Or I'm sorry. Brett Metalock. I'm sorry. Wrote in and said, hey, CC, why is Xbox so bad at marketing? Did you know games like Skate 3, Witcher 2, Red Dead Redemption, Fable 1 through 2 and 3, the Gears trilogy, Left 4 Dead, Half-Life 2 and lots more are basically got all basically got exclusive remasters on Xbox. They're playable in 4K with HDR support on Series X. Games like Final Fantasy 13 and Sonic Generations are stunning. Why are they not screaming this from the rooftops? Virtually everyone I tell had no idea it's even a thing. And I'm not talking about the auto enhancements from playing on the new hardware. These games were actually touched up by a dev team. They're basically remasters in the same vein as The Last of Us Remastered, and no one knows about them. Can't help but think if Sony did the same thing, it'd be screaming uh, I'd be screaming about it and fans would be ecstatic. Thoughts? So I didn't know this, and I wanted to read this out because I was curious what your insight is. I'm a more Xbox-centric person. What, yeah. what He's saying here basically that they remade these games on the the level of The Last of Us being remade or remastered, I should I, say. I don't know if that's necessary. I, I I get what he's saying, but like uh, I I mentioned this I, I mentioned this on on this podcast like uh, probably like a, a while ago, like a, a year ago or or more, uh, when I was playing through Red Dead Redemption One again in preparation for Red Dead Redemption Two, and I played it on Xbox One X at the time. And I had I had I had mentioned the fact that yeah like they touched it up and it's like remastered and it's like 4K and it looks it looks really really good it's like surprising they've been doing this for a while and I think the reason why it doesn't stick out to people is because even when they hear about it they kind of forget you know because it's not like this isn't like a, a really that big of a deal you you don't really expect things to play better when you go back and it's always like a nice surprise when they do. But I mean, I, I've mentioned this thing about Red Dead Redemption 1 on the podcast, like before. Even I forgot about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it is it is just weird that they're not market. I do agree with the, the notion that Sony probably would be making a bigger deal out of it. But I just don't know. See, my own ignorance of it kind of speaks to the fact that I guess it's not being properly portrayed to the, to the wider audience. Because it would just be another impressive thing for me that Microsoft is doing. Yeah, I don't know. They they made it. They they did talk about it when it was happening. They were like, "Hey, the, uh, you know, these games play better on on One X or whatever the hell that you can play all these old games at 4K or whatever the hell." I remember I remember the day that Halo Three on disc got a 4K update, and I was just like, I, ha, 
I, I, I don't even, I can't even fathom how that's even possible, but they did it. And I remember, I remember being like, that's pretty impressive. But at the same time, you know, they put a, a 4k version of Halo three on disc that's backwards compatible, but like the master chief collection exists, you know? Mm. So it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, it's, it's better, but it's also, these are old games that people, I, you know what it is? It's like, I have a feeling like when people play these old games on the new hardware, they're going to look exactly how you thought they looked when you played them the first time. Mm-hmm. So it's not really this huge boon for marketing to be like, hey, remember how, do you remember how Left 4 Dead 1 looked? Well, it, it, it actually looks like kind of like slightly worse. And now it looks, ex- <laughs> now it looks like kind of how you remember it looking. Isn't that cool? It's like, uh, yeah, but That's also fine. like how you how do you consolidate that into a into a sexy marketing term or or uh or how do you smart delivery it is technically smart delivery yeah. i guess that's kind of the I point so. but but yeah i don't know it's it's a cool feature but i i don't necessarily think it's that big of a big of a boon to sales or like or all, all that it's not going to convince somebody to buy an xbox series x just because they can play red dead redemption one at 4k you know it's just not it's just not going to happen and I, I i don't even necessarily think that sony would be talking that much about it if they if they could do that either because we've seen what is it there are games now that have kind of ps5 and ps4 versions and it's the way they've handled that messaging is like really really unclear and kind of muddled so I don't know. It just seems like something that's cool, but also just kind of whatever. I feel like, do you really want to play Final Fantasy Thirteen again? <laughs> I don't know. It's don't cool, know man. Props, to, props to them for doing it. But like, I just, um, I, I can't, I can't see how they would even talk about this. Like, honestly. Well, let's answer something a little easier then. They are bad at marketing. They, yeah. Yes. Independently of this, Kyle Borchert wrote into us and said, "What's up, CNC?" What PlayStation exclusive will have the highest Metacritic score in 2021? My money is on Horizon Forbidden West. What say you? And where do you see the year 2021 ranking in terms of game quality? I don't... Let's not even get there yet. Yeah, yeah. We don't even know what's coming out this year for sure. The claims would be Returnal, Ratchet & Clank, Horizon Forbidden West, and God of War Valhalla slash Ragnarok. But we don't think God of War is actually going to come out this year. So I therefore think Horizon is the obvious answer. But wouldn't it be fucking dope if Returnal... Uh, was in fact the answer that it was like a hardcore darling that's I don't think is going to sell no matter what but that would be like the dream colony year I'm gonna I'm gonna say something kind of uh, probably not expected I think it's going to be Ratchet and Clank oh that would be nice and I think it's going to be Ratchet and Clank for one reason one reason only and it's because it's the only true PS5 game that's true I mean, Ret- yeah Returnal's on PC yeah Returnal and, well, uh, I guess yeah, Returnal yeah but Returnal's on Returnal's on PC and it's a Housemark game and, and Housemark doesn't normally do this kind of thing. So I I I, I could expect Returnal being like 80s, you know? Like, am uh, I making that up about Returnal? I think I am making that up. No, Returnal's not on PC. It's only on PlayStation 5. Sorry, I made that up. Is it only Thank is God it I PS5 exclusive? It's a, only on PS5. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, that changes things a little bit. But I do think. Um, well, it's a be- it's a good bet that Ratchet will be better than Returnal. I, I do think based on what we've seen, uh, like Returnal doesn't look like it couldn't run on ps5 you know what i mean whereas uh ratchet and clank clearly can't run on ps4 and because of that i feel like they're going to take advantage of a lot of cool things that we are not used to seeing being taken advantage of uh loading times loading maps in particular like i'm still kind of impressed by what they showed uh the last time they showed it off when they were showing like the the seamless transition between completely different uh, uh worlds and play spaces like that that shit's really really cool 
And um, I feel like it's going to be a breath of fresh air, especially when, you know, Horizon and um, these other games are probably going to be just really good looking, fast loading games that ultimately could and some in some cases do run on on previous gen hardware and in some ways won't be as uh, mind blowing. And also, I just think Ratchet's like super, super likable. It's not super controversial. I think it has a, a higher chance of really sticking the landing with more people. I think all these games are going to do well. I think all these games are going to be reviewed pretty well, but I, I think I would put money down on, on Ratchet and Clank being like a kind of like a surprising, like oh this is like a really really good like like nine out of ten kind of thing. That's the hope, man. It looks great. That's a great yeah. It's a great. I mean, it's a great point. It could be any of them. Yeah, could be. We'll see what happens. It'd be wild if it was Returnal. Returnal scored better than all of them. Yeah, that would be wild because that would mean it was a really great game and it was a really good year probably too. Now. Here's a question mm. for you. Mm. I know you like Housemark, and I know you're hoping for this for this game to do well. But is part of you kind of worried that if this does well, that you're never going to get like a classic Housemark game again? Yeah, I think I think it's kind of that's going to happen either way. Because right, I think that fair. if they don't survive, if this game doesn't do well, maybe they don't survive it. And if the game does well, then they have. They've they've successfully segued their arcade stylings to right. third person action. The game's on Unreal Engine. I mean, it's totally weird, you know. For, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, it does really very bizarre. It's very weird for them. So it looks cool. It, I, I, I'm I'm I will say that I think they're all going to get above an eight on Metacritic. Yeah, yeah. I think Returnal. that's I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, we'll see. Chad Roberts wrote in with the final one, Chris, and this is more of an ode to you. He says, "Hey guys, don't really have a question per se." But just wanted to state that Chris has been 1,000% right about frames per second. I recently purchased Final Fantasy VII Remake since it's on sale, and I have to admit I'm, play I'm having a hard time playing due to its locked 30 frames per second. It just feels so slow and sluggish in comparison to PS4 games that got upgrades for the PS5. I'm not questioning the quality of the overall game, but I think I'm going to wait until they release a PS5 version or at least put out a patch so it runs at 4K60. On a side note, I want to thank The Last Stand crew for the awesome work they put out. 2020 has been a hard year for me with COVID, losing family members and having to say goodbye to my 12-year-old dog who was my best friend. Oh. You guys have helped me uh, keep sane and smile even when it was hard to do. I'm sorry to hear that, Chad, but glad to hear that we're uh, you're on the upswing and that we're here for you. We're, we're happy to be here for you. I just headbutted my microphone. <laughs> so, yeah, just want, I mean, there's no question there. He, it's it's yeah. what I've been realizing, too, and what I've been talking about and uh, that PS5 kind of instructed me on that you've been you've been saying. So you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's a big difference, man. It's it's hard. It really is hard to go back. There there are games that I that I adore that I couldn't I I, it, I have a hard time going back to, and it's it sucks in some ways because it's like, oh man, I really I would love to play this game again, but it's it really is like you just get spoiled by all these by the the smoothness of it and just the it just even feels more responsive because there's there's more frames informing like what you're doing and. It's a, it's a different, like, I would argue it's like night and day in, in more ways than resolution is. Like, I, I would argue, like, 1080p to 4K is less of a drastic change than 30 to 60, you know? It's, it's such a transformative thing. And I think more and more people are going to uh, realize that, and I th which is great because it means we're going to be seeing more developers cater to this understanding that players want this choice. Uh, they want uh, to have the choice between like, hey, you know, like, give me like 4K, give me like ray tracing, give me all the crazy bells and whistles that a PC can offer. And, and also like, hey, you know what, let me switch to these, you know, high frame rate, really, really quick and really smooth experiences. And I think uh, that 
it's just better for all of us because it gives all of us more choice in the way that we play our games and in the way that we experience uh, these cool, cool little worlds. Indeed. Very well said. Very well said indeed. And we'll end it there for this episode of Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, episode 132, the very first on video. Mm-hmm. So whether you are watching us on video or listening to us on audio feeds, we appreciate you. And of course, support us on Patreon for early ad free access. Patreon.com slash last media. Also exclusive access to Sacred Symbols Plus, which is the additional Patreon only episode of the show we do each and every week. You can, of course, listen to Defining Duke. Subscribe to that on podcast services. Watch that on YouTube. Knock back all the rest. Chris, it's good to see you. Thanks for uh, a great first episode of uh, 2021. Yeah, we made through the 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 hiccup pretty quick. Yeah, no big deal. It's no big <laughs> yeah, deal. I'm glad I noticed it earlier. Imagine if we just noticed. I would cry. I, I would jump off a bridge. I would kill myself. <laughs> yeah. See, that's an illustration of what we were talking about earlier. <laughs> all right. Uh, Chris, thank you. Thank you all out there for your love, kindness, and support. We'll see you next time for more Sacred Symbols. I'm looking at the camera now when I say this. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Central Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co-host is Chris Ragon Maldonado. Sacred Symbols executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level or higher on Patreon, and we're grateful for your kindness and generosity. Nick DeMarco, Andrew Morgan, Gregory Slavinsky, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Zach Parsley, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Ben, Azan, Michael Vecchio, Joey Finelli, Jerome Ferreira, SL the FMA, Ryan T. Mandel, Jorge Palomino, Enrique Perez, Don Lee, Daniel D'Amour, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Homeworld Hub, Dennis Barker, William Holbert, Chris Buston, Betty Ann Moriarty, Colin Jewell, Daniel Johnson, Zach Bonham, an unofficial controller podcast, Jay Getter, Vexius, Jeff Mercado, Galja, of Fortuna, Boots, Megadet, Saul Balcazar, Raul Melendez, Jackson Vernon, Eric Harden, Matt Martin, Rodney Coleman, Chris Moore, Antti Kinnanen, Taylor Barkley, Chris Galvin, Ryan Murdoch, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Chris Buston, Zach Allum, George Anthony Nunez, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Michael S., Damon Weathers, Richter86, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Kevin Kamaki, Blake Israel, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Brian Chan, Organic Produce, Isaac Wastman, Mubarak, Carlos Algrit, McDog18, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Ray Lagia, David Castanez, Donnie Nolan, Josh Yeager, Matthew Cooper, Toothless Gibbon, Martin Beck, Gavin, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Christopher Moore, Lawrence F. Prokop, Colin Davenport, Eric Finkenbeiner, Lewin Ray Loper, Dylan Burns, John Schultz, David Chestnut, Yusuf, Anton K., Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Tony Zaniga, Sean Battershall, Max Lazos, Robbie Hensley, Alex Cabrera, Lennon Brixey, Corey Wyatt, James Kinslow III, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, William O'Carroll, JCS0828, Jesper Jansen, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Sean Chandler, Petro Rose, Geo Corsi, Greg Lotta, Gerald Pennington, Justin Wagaman, Paul Joyce, Chad Lewis, Todd Paxson, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Ryum, Spencer Brand, John Cordero, Greg Julefs, Keith A. Lewis, Marius Garson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Matthew Perdue, Toby Shootman, Patrick Harper, Mad Mock Media, Jonathan Rice, and Casual Misfits Gaming.